So we're going to actually finish up chapter 1 of Romans. We're going to read verses 18 through 32, but respectively we're going to finish up unpacking verses 26 through 32. I just want to say at the beginning of this message, what we're going to hear today is very controversial in our world today. I am not up here to attack anyone. I do not want anybody to feel attacked. My responsibility is to preach the whole counsel of God and preach what does this text say. So I'm going to basically just unpack it, and we're going to go through it. And as we go through it, you'll quickly see why I wanted to predicate this message with that. So I don't want people to think that a Potsdam Bible Church is attacking anybody. But in this church, I am going to say this, and I want to make sure we hear this correctly. The Bible is the final authority of all matters of faith and practice in this church. There's nothing above the scriptures. All the ministries at Pottstown Bible Church flow and are subordinate to the Word of God and the scriptures. So in this church, this book, this Bible, is the final authority. So I am going to preach from the final authority what God has to say, and you'll see why it's very controversial. So... I'm going to ask you to follow along on the overhead and read with me or follow along with me verses 18 through 32. And then next time I'm up, we're going to start in chapter 2. Starting at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed or being continually revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood, church, through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations or their reasonings and thinking. Their foolish heart was darkened. They were professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures. Again, therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Here we go again, verse 26. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For the woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. The same way... Men abandoned the natural function of the woman, burning their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts, and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Verse 28, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, 
greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Verse 31, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those, now look at the church, who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do those same things, but they actually give hearty approval to those who practice them. So, last week we finished up with the study of the great exchange. People were exchanging the glory of God for man-made idols, and we see that happening today. We had learned that when we indulge in our sinful nature, we are indulging in the kingdom of self. We learned that we have these idols because we want control. But we also came to understand that we end up being enslaved by the idols, whether it's drugs or alcohol. We think we have control over it. Sooner or later, it controls us. And that we learned that our identity is always rooted in that what we worship. Slide six. So last week we looked at how the theology of work commentary kind of spells it out for us. <clears throat> I wanted to make sure I capitalize this on again. It says, idols are gods of our own creation. In ancient times, idols would take the form of physical objects. But the issue is really one of trust and devotion. On what do we really pin our hope on? I hope it's not the government church. What do we really pin our hope on? Our well-being on? Our success? Anything that is not capable of fulfilling our hope, that is, anything other than God, is an idol. Slide 7. It goes on to say, If we do have some other concern stronger to us than our love for God. Let me read that sentence again. Follow along with me. If we do have some other concern that is stronger to us than our love for God, it's not so much that we're breaking God's rules, but that we are not really in a relationship with God. That hits home, church. The other concern, be it power, money, security, recognition, sex, or anything else, has become our God. Slide 8. Look at verse 24 with me. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And you can see it up on the Greek here too. To impurity. That our, our somas, our bodies, would be dishonored among them. So the therefore really is giving us a re, God's response to their sin and ours. The word therefore, it's speaking of God's response to the rejection of the knowledge that God made available to them and us of himself. We have already learned from past teachings how God has revealed himself. Paul says, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. This church, this, this giving over, we need to think about that. See, this is telling us that God has withdrawn his restraining power and influence over them. Literally, God's saying, you want to you wanna drown in that bottle of alcohol? You want to do the drugs? You want to do all this other stuff? Here you go. 
This giving them over has the idea of God withdrawing his influence over them. Church, just like a judge hands over criminals to receive the punishment they deserve, God hands a sinner over to the cycle of his or her own increasing sin. So the person who rejects God is actually plunging himself or herself deeper and deeper into sin. And that's what happens when people do not honor and glorify God, but choose to exalt their own wisdom and their own thinking instead of God's. And this is what we see leading to this foul, sinful, deviant sexual behavior we see today going on right now in 2021. It's interesting, the Greek word used here, the word is paradidomai, that he uses up here, has the idea of um, he surrenders them over to themselves. So then they plunge themselves deeper and deeper into their own sin, which they chose to commit. In verse 25, he says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Here we learn the essence of idolatry, slide 9. It is worshiping something in creation other than God himself. Here's some questions that I had asked uh, last week. What do we adore right now more than God? What are those God replacements we have in our lives right now? And we talked about those things last week. We talked about what are we giving all our time, talent, and treasure to? Are we spending hours and hours on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all these other things and television? What are we giving our time to that's not God? Slide 10. I want to share with you, this is one of my seminary professors from a million years ago when I was young, Dr. Edward Welsh, um, some of the things that he says about this. Each of us have chosen to go outside of the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven and look for blessings in the land of idols. What do you think that means, looking for blessings in the lands of idols? Church, hear me this morning. <clears throat> Each of us desires something in creation more than we desire the Creator. Slide 10, he goes on to say, Scripture permits us to broaden the definition of idolatry to include anything on which we set our affections and indulge as an excessive and sinful attachment. What am I setting my affections on that I am attaching myself to that pulls me away farther and farther from intimacy with Christ? What is that thing in your life that's got a grip on you, that's hijacked your heart, that's pulling you farther and farther away where you don't spend any time in the Word of God? Slide 11. Some other questions from last week. <clears throat> What are those things in our lives right now that we are sinfully attached to that we just won't give up? What are those excessive things in our lives right now? Have you ever thought about those things that you just don't want to give up? And maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you and said, this is wrong, this is sin, but we do it anyway. And one of the other things we had learned last week was the purpose of idolatry is for you and I to manipulate the idol for our own benefits. We, we don't want to be ruled by those idols that we've erected, but we do want to use them for our own pleasure. Maybe it's people struggling with pornography. Who, who knows? It could be drugs, alcohol, you know. It could be in, you're in a relationship with somebody and you're crossing lines sinfully with that person you're not married to. 
Slide 12. Dr. Welch goes on to say this. Dr. Welch says this. We do not want to be ruled by drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, food, or anything else. No, we want these substances or activities to give us what we want, good feelings, maybe a better self-image or a sense of power, or whatever our hearts are craving. If you want to really look at idolatry, ask yourself, what does my heart crave that isn't God? It's quiet in here, Dr. Carter. I'm hoping by now we've all learned that our idols, and we all have them, they don't cooperate with us. Instead of controlling our idols, what ends up happening is they control us, and then we become enslaved by them, just like the bottle. To the alcoholic, the bottle or your family, the bottle or your wife. To the drug addict, one more hit and you'll be okay. Here's the thing. Are we even aware of what enslaves us right now? If you want to know what's slaving you right now, get into the Word of God. Develop an intimate relationship with Him, and you will soon find out as the Holy Spirit brings those idols to the front and center of your mind. Church, the, the, the nature of sin, the very nature of sin, is that there's nothing that stands between you and, and what you want or what I want. You see, part of the problem with sin, it never, ever looks at the consequences. So the deception of sin is that it misleads you and I to think that we're really okay. So then this begs the question for all of us, how do we declare war on sin? Slide 13. What does the Bible say for you and I to declare war on sin? Let's see what the scripture says. First of all, genuine confession breaks the power of sin. Look at what David says in Psalm 32, 3-5. Here's David, and this could be any of us. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. When I kept silent about my sin, my body was wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. <clears throat> but look at verse 5. I acknowledged, or I confessed my sin to you, Yahweh. My iniquity I did not hide from you. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And what does the Bible say? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. So genuine confession breaks the power of sin. I hope by now we all see how sin has this decaying power in our lives, and our families, and our relationships, and our friendships. It wastes them away. It just breaks them down. Sin drains and wastes so much of all of our lives. I know it's done my life. How about you? How about the second thing? Slide 14. Finding mature, and I want to say this gingerly but faithfully, finding mature brothers and sisters in Christ to help us put to death the sin patterns of our life. It's called accountability, church. What does the word accountability mean? Think about it. Without accountability, nothing is going to work, ever. Look at our world today. Accountability 
actually has the idea of the obligation to take responsibility for one's actions or behaviors. Accountability is taking responsibility for one's actions or behaviors. And literally the, the flow of the word accountability is the obligation that each of us has to take the responsibility for our own actions and behaviors. Slide 14. Paul, which we'll look at much later on, but we're going to look at it today, Romans 8.13. Paul says this, If you are living, if your way of life is according to flesh, you must die. But, here's your conditional clause, but if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We need to put to death the simple things that we practice as a way of life in the flesh. Put them to death. So accountability means, hey, I know I'm struggling in this area. I know on my own I'm not going to get victory in this area. So I'm going to humble myself, find a mature sister or brother in Christ that I know has a solid walk with Christ, and I'm going to say, can you help me? Can you be my paraclete? Can you walk beside me and help me through this so I can put to death this behavior that has such a destructive influence on my life and the people I love and care about? Slide 15. So here, some simple strategies. Think about what are they? When do they show up? The person that struggles with pornography who hides behind the door or goes somewhere. When do they show up? Here's another thing. Look for those patterns that you know to be wrong in your life. If you know you have struggle with alcohol and you know that you're drinking all the time, it's, it's got you. You may not want to admit it's got you, but it's got you. And if there's that pattern, the only way it's going to break it is if you humble yourself, find a mature brother and sister in Christ who's going to pray with you, walk with you. You can call them on the phone. Sometimes I get calls at 2 or 3 in the morning of people that are struggling with different things because they want to be held accountable. Find an accountability partner who's mature. Cry out to the Lord for strength and guidance as you war against this sin in your life that wants to hijack your whole life. Slide 16. Replace sinful habits with godly habits. Instead of bars and clubs, why not look for other activities to challenge you? If you know that you have a predisposition to go somewhere that you shouldn't be going after work or whatever, say, you know what, today I'm going to find somewhere else to go. I'm going to check in with my accountability partner, maybe meet them or something. All of us, church, need to repent of what we have cherished in place of God. Every one of us. Slide 17. Let's look at, so it'll be slide 17 and then 18, 19. For this reason, Paul really starts to unpack where he's going with this now. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For the woman did what? Exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And you can see parafusis down there, unnatural, at the very bottom of the screen. He uses the word, church, dishonorable passions. Okay? The women are exchanging the natural function that God had for them for unnatural functions. 
Slide 18. Likewise, or in the same way, the men, the arsenes, the men, they gave up the natural function of the woman, and they burned with passion toward one another. Men with men committing, there's the word at the bottom left hand of the screen, indecent acts. Next slide. Next slide. 19. And here's what I want you to see. The penalty that was due for the error of their ways. They received that penalty that was due. So let's break this down. Let's say we want to really want to be looking at what the Bible has to say. I know this is hard. I know it's uncomfortable, but it needs to be preached. So here again we see Paul stating he gave them over. What is he doing? He's handing the sinner over to the cycle of his or her own sin, regardless of what that sin is. That's what he's doing. That's what the Bible says. He's also saying degrading passion. The word degrading in the Greek is atme. Uh, the, the idea of degrading passions in the Greek, it speaks of something that is vile and dishonoring, something that is shameful, debasing, something that is humi humiliating or disgraceful. It's a very, very powerful word. The word passions is the word pathos. He's, he's talking about this unrestrained behavior, this shameful behavior, this dishonoring, shameful, disgraceful behavior. What is Paul telling the church there in Rome and through the scriptures? What is he telling you and I? Paul is saying, listen, God has given them over to that shameful, dishonoring, disgraceful, lustful behavior that they were practicing as a way of life. How are they doing it? He tells us in the text, the woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And it's very important that we understand the words unnatural in the Greek there. These, the words are paraphusis. Go back one slide for me if you could, please, if you can do that. Natural function of woman, burn with passion towards one another, man with men. Decent acts. Next slide. Committing and the penalty do them, and the persons receiving the, the penalty or error in their body. Paraphusis means against nature, against God's created order of things. It's in every Greek manuscript that is available still in existence today that has the Book of Romans in it. It doesn't change from the, whether it's the Chester Beatty or whatever the document is, some documents we have of Scripture date all the way back, New Testament documents, to A.D. 100, and John was still alive on the island of Patmos at that time. God ordained that he put these words in Scripture. It is against God's created order of things for somebody to practice homosexuality or lesbianism. That's what the Bible says. The argument is not with Pastor Jack. The argument is with the very God that knit you in your mother's womb. Paraphusis, it's right there. The verb exchange, Paul talks about this reversal of doing it God's way to doing it a sinful way and this fall into idolatry. Church, here, this word is used to reveal the tragic reversal of sexual practice. The natural use of a woman's body 
has now been replaced with that which is unnatural. That's what the Bible says. That's what the final authority in all matters of life, faith, and practice says, church. Paul is bringing out more of the uncleanness he spoke of back in 20, verse 24. Hear me this morning. We all need to understand that any type of sexual sin is in fact against the natural function of God's design for a man and woman as the scriptures teaches. You are sexually pure when your sexual gratification only comes from your wife, husband, or, your, your, or the uh, husband from your wife. That is when a person is sexually pure. God said, for this cause a man will leave his mom and dad and be joined to his wife. The ish is joined to the ishna. That is when you are sexually pure, when your sexual behavior is only done with your spouse. Paul is associating this type of homosexual behavior with the perversion of the true knowledge of God. It is an attack on the sovereignty of God. They are worshiping the creature instead of the creator, which is we've learned is the essence of idolatry. And it is activity that is contrary to the will of God. Paul in verse 27 says, In the same way men abandon the natural function of the woman, burn in their desire towards one another, men with men, committing, again, indecent acts. So the same sexual behavior the woman were committing, the men were equally also committing. They were engaging in unnatural homosexual behavior. That's what the Bible says. Hear me this morning. It is against God's design for men to have sex with men and women to have sex with women. It is against nature. God says paraphusis against God's created order of things. In fact, Paul unpacks it. He says the men abandoned. They gave up the natural use of the woman. And as they did this, they did something else. Paul says they burned one towards another. That word burn, akeo, that means that they were set on fire with the passion and lust inside of themselves. Paul says the men with men committing indecent acts, church. And that's shameful activity. Let's take a moment and let Scripture validate Scripture. We looked clearly at these New Testament passages that deal with it. How about some Old Testament passages? You're going to see this theme runs all the way through the entire canonical scriptures. How about slide 20? Leviticus. What did Moses write? You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Verse 13 of Leviticus 20. If there is a man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Back in those days, they didn't fool around. They were executed. Their blood guiltness is upon them. Deuteronomy 23.7 None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute, nor shall any of the sons of Israel be cult prostitutes. Something else that needs to be mentioned here is how society today sinfully influences daughters and sons in that way. Just by the way that things get more scantily clad on television and movies more and more just, you know, it's, it's literally the idea here is, you know, I'm, I'm going to put my daughter up so you can get some type of pleasure out of her. Or I'm going to put my son up so you can get some type of pleasure out of him, even if it's just through the screen. 
We call it pornography today. Slide 21. Do not profane, do not prostitute your daughter by making her a harlot so that the land will not fall into harlotry and the land become full of lewdness. Church, just look at the media. Just look at the videos of today, how they portray young women. Sex out of wedlock is considered to be socially acceptable behavior. But the scriptures are clear that it's sin. It's sin. So the argument is when we drop them, stand before God, there's not going to be any excuse. God's not going to strike a backroom deal with people because they chose to practice this. Scriptures are clear. Slide 22. How about all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 18 through 24. Then the Lord, then Yahweh said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper or suitable for him. So Yahweh caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, the Adama, the man. He slept. Here's our first surgery, by the way. He took one of the ribs, closed up the flesh that place. Yahweh fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Slide 23. Yeesh said, the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called the Yesha, because she was taken out of Yish. For this reason, this cause, this reason, the man, the Yish, shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall be joined to his girlfriend? To a prostitute? Or to his Ishna, his wife? They shall become one flesh. There is your definition of safe sex. Boom! Right there in the scriptures. It's right there, church. Slide 24. 1 Corinthians 11, 8. Man does not originate from woman, but the woman for man. For indeed, man was not created for woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. <clears throat> church, God's design for a man and a woman is clear. Marriage is to be between one man, one woman. Marriage was ordained by God, as you just read in Genesis, for the mutual help of the husband and wife for the increase of mankind. Marriage, church, was the very first institution that God ordained. It is a covenant of companionship. It is to bring together a one flesh, two people into a one flesh union. Slide 25, Matthew 19, 6. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Don't let the world separate you from what God has ordained for you. Just don't. It's not worth it. Proverbs 18.22 He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from Yahweh. So it would seem then that those who are sadly enslaved into this homosexual lifestyle are really self-deceived because they want their own desires more than they want to obey God. And that's not just for people in homosexual or lesbian lifestyles. That's for any of us. That's for any of us. I'm not trying to say that that sin is above all other sins. Every sin we commit is offense against God. 
So I'm not here to pick on people that are enslaved in that lifestyle because every one of us sin every day in thoughts, words, deeds, actions, and motives. But sadly, the people in this lifestyle want to liberate their conscience so they can practice their desires. And church, again, the scriptures are clear that there is a creation order ordained by God for human sexuality. You are sexually pure when your sexual gratification comes from the person who is your husband or your wife. A man and a woman. That's what he said. He uses the word ish and isha. By the way, that Adam, the word adama means red clay. It, it, God formed man from the dust of the ground. That's the adama. That's the adama, church. And then the, he uses the word ish and ishna in the Hebrew. It's this, it's this beautiful union where God brings a husband, a man and a woman together to form another family, a covenant relationship. It's a beautiful picture. And the world just wants to destroy it. With the, you know, they, they don't want any hedonism as I want all the pleasure without any restraint. I want to practice what I want to practice without any restraint. That's hedonism. And look at our world today. If, even if you don't want to open the Bible, look at our world. It's, it's, it's in chaos. It really is. So then any type of sexual act with someone of the same sex is a violation of God's design for sexual behavior and intimacy, and God calls it sin. He calls it indecent acts. So let's finish verse 27 statement. Receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now first it should be said here that the error spoken of here in the text speaks of the abandoning of the natural use of their bodies to unnatural behavior. The word error actually has the idea of straying away from truth into delusion and deviation from truth. And that could be for any sinful behavior we practice where we start straying away from the truth into delusion. And Paul is pointing out here from the text, there is a penalty of payment that is due. There is a consequence for indulging in this sinful way of life. Slide 26. Paul writing to the Church of Corinth. By the way, Church of Corinth had all kinds of sexual deviant behavior going on. Just like in Rome, there's temple prostitutes and all kinds of horrible stuff going on. Today we call them these, uh, well, never mind. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now make sure that we all look at this church. I don't want to make sure there's any mistakes. Let's look at what does the Bible say. Let's look at the text. Look at the text with me, please. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. That's where we get the word porno, pornos from or pornography from. Those who indulge in sexual sin. By the way, if you're sleeping with somebody you're not married to, that's sexual sin. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That word effeminate actually means a young boy kept for homosexual practice. Nor homosexuals. Nor thieves. Nor the covetous. Nor the drunkard. Nor the reviler. Nor the swindle, swindler will inherit the kingdom of God. So you see there's a whole potpourri of behaviors that if we're going to practice as a way of life, when you drop dead, it's appointed once for a person to die, and then the judgment. So hear me this morning. There are clear moral and physical consequences for indulging in 
lesbian and homosexual behavior. I am only preaching what the Bible teaches us, church. I want to take a moment and share with you something else very interesting that you're going to find. When we looked at receiving that penalty for our error, I'm going to show you something that really will blow your mind. This has nothing to do with the church. This is the medical community's information I want you to see with your own eyes. So if you're going to have a problem with the church, you're going to have to have a problem with the very community that you feel is endorsing your behavior. Here's their statistics. Slide 27. The New England Journal of Medicine states that over half or 52.3% of the gay community is right now infected with STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. That's not the Bible. That's the New England Journal of Medicine. Recent, recently released statistics from the CDC, you've all heard of them, and the prevention indicates that the rate of new HIV diagnosis among gay men is more than 44 times that of heterosexual men. 37.1% of gay men and women actually are struggling with alcoholism. There's stats. Slide 28. How about this? Sexual violence with lesbian relationships was found to be as high as 55%. And according to the CDC, 71.2% of men meet their sex partners over the Internet. A very, very toxic, dangerous place to be. There was another study of over 7,000 gay couples in the Netherlands, a place where this behavior is widely accepted. Their research, slide 29, concluded that 67.4% of lesbian women had some type of psychiatric disorder, panic attacks, depression, OCD, mood disorders. 56.1% of gay men suffered this way as well. Homosexuals and lesbians involve themselves in more high-risk behaviors. That's why. So then it would seem that the secular research concurs with what God's Word has been stating all along. There is a consequence a due penalty in the body for practicing this sinful sexual lifestyle. And I'm almost done, slide 30. I wanted you to see that. So even if you wanted to spit God away or just push him away, contact or force him out, even the medical community's information is concurring with what God said, receiving the due penalty of their error in their bodies. So there you have. How about... Romans 128. We're almost done. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are not proper. They did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. What does this mean? See fit. They tested God. The word there is dakamazo. has the idea of testing. They were testing God. They were testing him. They test him, and then they reject him. So the sin spoken of here, church, is they refuse to have God in their knowledge. They really decided, you know, God, you don't fit into my plans or my agenda, so I'm going to do things my way. They did not want to retain, retain or respond to the knowledge that God had given them of himself and creation. They were angry with God. So God's response was, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are not proper. Again, God responds to their sinful choice and practice. He says, okay, you want to do that? 
I'm going to withdraw myself and my restraining power so you can practice and go all the way with that immoral activity and they end up with a depraved mind, meaning that their thinking is disqualified. What does it mean? Church, it means you can't think straight. They can no longer understand or acknowledge God's will. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down from above. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. What are you feeding your mind with every day? What are you allowing to come in through the ears and the eyes? What are you feeding into your mind every day, church? Do not rob yourself of the wisdom of God being put into your mind and into your soul. Okay? Hear me this morning. Please understand, church. People who turn away from God are unable to think or decide correctly about God's will. I can't understand God's will of not spending any time allowing God to talk to me through his word because the way that God speaks to you today is through his word, and I'm going to say it 100,000 times. God the Holy Spirit never works independently from the word of God. Your scriptures are sufficient to teach you everything you need to know. You don't need newspapers and all this other stuff. The word of God is sufficient. So the tragedy here that Paul's speaking of this man is not only debased in his behavior, he's debased in his mind. So he tries to justify or explain his simple way of life. How about slide 31, and we'll finish up there. Verses 29 through 32, Romans 1. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Sounds like our world today, doesn't it? And although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice their way of life, they practice those things as a way of life, they are going to practice as a way of life, they are worthy of death, they're not only doing the same, but they're giving hearty approval to those who practice them. This is what happens, church, and I'm going to finish up here. This is what happens to people when they dismiss and reject God for their own ideas and do not glorify God for who He is. They exalt their own minds and their thoughts over God's. And they choose to follow the world's wisdom, which does not want to submit to God. This is what leads to the foul, sinful, violent behavior we see also going on today. This vice list. This list of immoral behaviors that are not proper. And here, church, we are seeing this willful, deliberate rebellion against God that pervades humanity. And I want to say this, and I don't mean it disrespectfully. If there is a church out there that is saying, I want to be all-inclusive, and I want to be able to marry people of that. Run away from that church. Your soul depends on it. Run. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying that because that is the truth. Because people knew the righteous decrees of God, those who do those things are worthy of death. How about this, church? Have you ever met someone who gives hearty approval to sin? How about 
to the sins that we commit. Oh, you can go ahead and do that. God understands. Church, because of man's prideful nature, we see the stages that lead to weakness and spiritual darkness. Here, listen. It is God alone who preserves morality, church. And now we see what happens when he withdraws his restraining power. And the world that you and I are living in today is solid proof of God's wrath being poured out against ungodliness and righteousness of men who want to force back or suppress the truth of God. We have all this confusing moral problems that don't need to be there. Men and women without any control, lost and abandoned to their own sinful practices. I mean, I'm sure you see it. I see it. The more you get into the Word of God, the more you see it, church. Let's all pray that the Lord will open their eyes to their perilous condition before it's too late. And don't be ashamed to share the gospel of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, with people. You have a perfect time with this holiday to share that. See, Christmas isn't about what's under the tree. It's not about shopping malls and uh, Cyber Monday. Let's go more in debt and spend more money. It's not about any of that. You see, God didn't die on the cross to create a holiday, church. He didn't do that. He died on the cross to rescue us from ourselves. I'm going to ask you to back.